0: It
1: is the Palpably Unfair Podcast, episode 15, brought to you by the SB Nation NFL Show. I am your host, Michael Kist, and as always, I am joined by the incomparable and always cheerful Kyle Posey. Kyle, how are you doing today, brother? Doing well, man. Just bathing in Josh Allen's glory like we always do, you know? (laughs) absolutely what a second half from that guy and look he might end up on the top quarterback performances of the week we're going to give our 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 three best or my three best we're going to discuss it we're going to discuss some Lamar Jackson definitely I can already spoil it for you he is going to be on that list one of the greatest game of the season so far for sure we're going to get into Kyle's three defensive MVPs with a breakout performance again I'm not spoiling anything by saying we're going to talk about Arizona Cardinals linebacker uh, or edge defender, whatever you want to call him, Hassan Reddick, because he just lit the world on fire against the Giants. Speaking of the Giants, we are going to talk about what it looks like for them in 2021 and what they can afford or not afford to do this upcoming off season, So we got a lot of topics to get in here today. Uh, first off, before we get into that, we thank you for the continued support here at the SB Nation NFL show. Thank you for joining us through the season. If you're new, thank you for hopping on. Uh, make sure you rate, subscribe, review, go to Apple Podcasts, leave a written review, you know, tell tell them your following directions or tell us what you like and give us some honest feedback. We're, uh, we're all for it. We want to hear how we can improve the show. We want to hear what you like, what you don't like. Now, what we liked is our top three quarterback performances of the week. As I said, no, no spoilers here. Lamar Jackson is my number one. And look, how do you put up 47 points when your quarterback goes 11 for 17 for only 163 passing yards and one touchdown? Uh, and how do you end up with the top performance on this list doing that? Well, number one, be involved with unquestionably the most epic game of the season with a fascinating mid-game storyline with the dump heard round the world or the cramps heard round the world whichever you prefer to believe. And also, you know, he adds 124 yards on the ground with two rushing touchdowns, not to mention with those field conditions in Cleveland, Lamar was wearing the wrong spikes for way too doggone long, and he still put up those numbers and those points. We had a, st- a ton of stuff working against him in this 47-42 to win over the Browns with the backdoor cover. He was electric. Uh, his passion and energy is so contagious, man. You, you just can't not root for the guy. He's so much fun to watch. Did a wonderful job creating on his own in this one, uh, while there was also a spotlight, a spotlight on the fact that he's not dealing with a full complement of weapons because their leading receiver on the year, Marquise Brown, while he did have the 45-yard touchdown on fourth and five on the scramble play from Lamar, I want to give him credit for that, he also had three really ugly drops where it looked like he was trying to catch a medicine ball shot out of a jugs machine or a, tra- like, crazy. God, Kyle, I was told the Ravens' offense was dead, figured out. Teams had the blueprint, so on and so forth. But Lamar transcended all of that chitter chatter in this one.
2: Yeah, I think it's pretty evident that the Ravens offense has been figured out, but that's more of Greg Roman. And that's not more of, uh, that's not Lamar Jackson. It just feels like Lamar Jackson is Roman proof when you watch this offense because it's ugly. There aren't many, you know, check downs, there aren't many easy throws. A lot of it is, he almost feels like it's more air raid where they're just heaving it down the field. You mentioned, like, his Lamar Jackson running the ball. He ran for 124 yards. When he did throw the ball, he was efficient, 9.6 yards per attempt. You mentioned Mm. the drops. Hollywood, I don't know what's going on with him, man. It it feels like that's been the case all year. They're going to have to get another receiver, but – you just have to tip your hat to Lamar Jackson, man. He just made play after play after play and kept them in it.
1: Yeah, I want to talk about that receiver position for them. And, and one more note on Lamar here. He was also under pressure, nearly 40% of his dropbacks, which is a big factor for me when I'm ranking these things. If a quarterback is under fire all day and they still perform like this, that's a big plus for me. And look, he, I mean, he still had a magical day. And, and here's here's one piece of my like dream outlook for Lamar in 2021. If we can look ahead for a moment, because we are going to have you cover... Here through uh, through the offseason, through free agency, through the draft, and all the way up to the 2021 NFL season here on the SB Nation NFL show. So here's a little taste of some off-season chatter. But Nate Tice of the Athletic put this out into the universe during the game on Twitter. And I am in love, love with this fit. But he mentioned wide receiver Chris Godwin of the Bucks as a potential free agent signing for the Ravens. And I think that would give them such a boost with what they like to do. I'm a big Godwin guy. I had him as wide receiver. Nobody cares about your your, your draft board, but I'm just saying I, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a stand for this guy. I had him as wide receiver, too, in that draft over Mike Williams, John Ross. People called me crazy, but I thought he had big-time potential. His game against USC and Adoree Jackson back in his Penn State days was absolutely bonkers. And, and just compare this one stat. Marquise Brown's drop rate is 12%. That's bottom five among wide receivers. You want that number to be like more or less around 5%. That's an acceptable number. That's a baseline there. He is over twice that. Chris Godwin's drop rate this year, only 3.8%. Last year, it was 1.1%. Second best only to Larry Fitzgerald, who literally did not drop a ball on 75 receptions. So get me a big, dependable, strong target get him in those reduced splits that they like, work him over the middle of the field off play action. They run a lot of stuff the Ravens do in the intermediate and vertical route trees that really suits what Godwin does well. Send Marquise Brown screaming down those seams, open things up for for Godwin in the intermediate areas. I think it's a marriage made in heaven, and we'd really see a change in this offense. And, you know, by proxy of that, In Lamar, too, in my opinion. Kyle, you on board for this executive decision that we are making right now for the Ravens to go target Chris Godwin, a real football guy, guy. Get him to the Ravens, right? Yeah, we have to. So
2: you just mentioned where he lives over the middle of the field. He has 62 targets on the season and 47 of those have come over the middle of the field in between that zero to 20 yard range. So he's living in the intermediate part of the field and he's not afraid to go over the middle. Lamar is going to give him a chance to make a play. It's just a matter of will you catch the ball? So. Yeah, I love that fit. That's a great fit.
1: Yeah, and look, Lamar has struggled with some man coverage this year. Get somebody who can who can be physical against press and and still make a catch when he's got guys draped all over him. So I love the fit. Anyway, little little off season teaser for you here on the palpably unfair podcast. Let's get to my number two quarterback performance of the week. Look, another another week. Another magnificent performance from Aaron Rodgers, lighting the world on fire for the one-seed Packers. Uh, this came against the Lions in a 31-24 win to clinch the NFC North, which Kyle and I had called as a major projection a few weeks back. It's nice to be right every now and then. We nailed that one. Let's celebrate it. Uh, look, Aaron Rodgers has been on this list so much that I don't want to spend too much time on this. But I, And I know the Packers were already discussed on Monday Football Monday and the Oddcast on Tuesday, which go and listen to that if you haven't yet. But quickly with the stats here, 26 for 33, 290 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. The lack of a pass rush really destroyed any chances of the Lions slowing him down. They only got pressure on five of his 37 dropbacks. That is not going to get the job done against Aaron Rodgers. So we'll move on from that one. We're going to go to my number three performance of week 14 because I think there is a bigger more interesting discussion involved with this one before i get to that i will say i had a big debate about who i wanted my number three to be i really like matt stafford in the loss of the packers i thought he had a great day uh just could not outgun Rodgers. baker mayfield outside of one ridiculously ugly interception had a pretty fantastic performance against the ravens in that shootout drew lock had a career high four touchdowns against the panthers did lose a fumble but i thought he had a good day josh allen as we mentioned at the top of the show magical in the second half against the Steelers after some first half struggles that probably keep him off this list he's been so much fun to watch this year so there's a lot to choose from but i'm going in a different direction here instead of calling this a top performance although you could argue it i'm going to call it my favorite performance and i'll explain that but my number three goes to mitchell trubisky of the chicago bears 24 of 33 267 yards through the air three touchdowns no interceptions 17 of those 24 receptions went for first downs listen this performance against the texans certified booty cheeks defense is exactly the type of game that makes a fan base once again foolishly believe that they have a quarterback now what does that mean for me personally it means that i get to get back with the x that i have long since left behind that x being pooping on the hopes and dreams of bears fans as i've done relentlessly over the past two plus years after the loss of the Eagles in the playoffs in 2018, I'd said they'd never make a serious run with Slumpy Mitch. They have not. After they started 5-1 and one this year, I called them the biggest paper tiger in the history of paper tigers. They were. I had taken a knee on this Mitch Trubisky thing. But now, Trubisky, like pennies from heaven, rains down a top three quarterback performance of the week. And with just a little more nudging, just a little bit more, just a little brighter glimmer of hope, Bears fans might actually drink the Kool-Aid again, and so might the organization. Kyle, thoughts on the future with Mitch Trubisky after this game uh, that I hope buys him one more year in Chicago, because look, they're they're kind of screwed. They don't have the draft capital to go get a guy. They'd have to buy one. Not only that, if it is Mitch, they have to pay him because they declined his fifth year option. He's a free agent this offseason. This is honestly the worst case scenario for Bears fans Which is Mitch playing well and possibly getting the organization to triple down on him? Tell me I'm wrong, Kyle. That would be just a massive mistake in every sort
2: of in every sense that you can imagine. So they did blow out the Texans, and we know that the Texans' defense isn't very good in that game. Mitch Trubisky did not attempt a pass over 20 yards. So if he's going to be playing this game and be successful, and the Bears keep winning, it just screams fools gold because. What are you asking him to do? Are you going to pick up his option and pay him to not really do anything, to not challenge the defense down the field? Yes, they're winning, but, man, if uh, if they were to pass up just a superior quarterback in the free agency or in the draft to double down, triple down on Mitchell Trubisky, who has never won a quarterback competition, man, you, you deserve everything you ask for if that happens.
1: Yeah, I agree. It could be a total disaster for them. And, look, the Bears currently own – the 16th overall selection, if the season were to end today, they could find themselves in a position where Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance are all off the board. And they definitely won't be in a position to have their pick of the litter. So what's left after that? It's it's Kyle Trask out of Florida, it's Mac Jones from Alabama. I, I'm just I'm much, much less excited about those guys. All right, so that's our top three performances of the week. Look, let's go to our weekly segment, Do You Have a Quarterback? And I said this on Monday, Football Monday, and I want your thoughts, Kyle. I said it would be a catastrophic organizational failure if the New York Giants roll into 2021 with Dave Gettleman as their general manager, and if they don't take a serious look at the quarterback in the offseason. Now, Daniel Jones just returned for them with a bum hamstring, probably came back a little bit too soon, definitely wasn't 100%. So I want to let the context be known. But also, he has been booty cheeks this year overall. So unless you're anticipating an outlier-type third-year jump like we've seen from Josh Allen, you're probably cooked in the QB department. I mean, the guy has thrown eight touchdowns all year. He's got a massive turnover issue. His adjusted net yards per attempt are down. His passer rating is down from his rookie year. This is the 31st-ranked passing DVOA offense in the league. Now, I don't think offensive coordinator Jason Garrett... Is doing him any favors that needs to be addressed? Losing Saquon Barkley hurts them, but a running back should never make or break your offense. This guy, Daniel Jones, is not carrying anybody. He needs things to be so right, so clean around him, and the Giants aren't even close to providing him that right now. They need a guy that can create on his own, that can handle pressure. He does not have that luxury. He does not have the Jared Goff-type life back there under center for them. Kyle, am, am I being too harsh on the guy for having another buns performance with a bad hammy or are you with me that they'll be wasting time if they don't bring in some type of serious competition at quarterback this offseason also how funny would it be if it actually if it's mitch trubisky <laughs> that would be beautiful yes
2: now that's what has to happen so watch daniel jones for as mobile and athletic as he is, he's a statue in the in the pocket. And this game, he was sacked six times. I feel like you could, I mean, you could credit him for a lot of those, just because he's standing there, he's not moving, he's holding on to the ball too long, he's not processing what the defense is doing. His completion percentage, which never really tells the true story, was fifty-two percent in this game. You should that should not be a thing for a first round quarterback. And it's not like the Cardinals are, you know, the 85 Bears, whatnot. So he just has to play better, he has to play faster. And that hasn't happened, and we haven't seen signs that that is going to happen anytime soon. When you watch the Giants, like they play very hard. They are a good team, and they're just being held back by their quarterback. I feel like if you get another guy in there, you'll have, we'll have a much better idea of just how much better this this Giants team can be.
1: And overall, the Giants are doomed if they decide to run it back. Dave Gettleman is 14 and 31 as the Giants GM. They have an offensive coordinator that hasn't changed his scheme one iota in at least four years. They have no idea if they have the right quarterback, and they're not going to know under these circumstances. You cannot afford to have a long leash with any of these guys. The only two that should be back are Joe Judge, the head coach, and defensive coordinator Patrick Graham, who has them as a top 10 points allowed uh, per game unit. And for them to have a chance at being successful, Gettleman needs to go. Garrett needs to go and they need a serious competition at the quarterback position, or they're going to be stuck in mud for years to come. I don't even understand how this is a discussion with Gettleman. Like, it is really hard to win five games or less in the NFL, and Gettleman has done that with frightening efficiency. All right, Kyle, that's going to do it for our top three quarterback performances of the week and our dud of the week. We played. Did you have a quarterback on the other side of the break? We are going to get to Kyle's three defensive MVPs, of week 14 NFL action. That's coming up next here on the Palpably Unfair Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called
2: The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work.
1: And we are back here on the Palpably Unfair podcast, episode 15, brought to you by the SB Nation NFL show. Michael Kist here with Kyle Posey. So we covered the offensive side of the ball. We talked some organizational stuff. We took a peek into the offseason. Let's get into the defensive side of the ball, which is Kyle's specialty. Kyle, every week you give your three defensive MVPs of the week, and you go each level, defensive line, linebacker and then secondary. So let's start in the trenches with technically a linebacker, but a guy that was just firing off the edge with a dominating performance. Who'd you like up front in week 14?
2: Yeah, there were some impressive performances all around the defensive line, just all around the NFL this week for the defensive linemen. Uh, Chase Young looked like a running back with a ball in his hands, and that's (laughs) not counting the 28 plays that he disrupted in that game. But I mean, this has to go to Hassan Redick who just so happened to have five sacks on the afternoon. And yes, five you heard that correctly generally when a guy has that many sacks a few of those are unblocked but that wasn't the case for reddick which made his made his performance even more impressive the first sack came where he beat the right tackle with a speed rush and that was pretty much the theme of the afternoon reddick would win with a speed rush and he would force a fumble he forced three fumbles on the afternoon his second sack was another speed rush against friend of the podcast andrew thomas who seems to come up every week maybe reddick seemed like he smelled blood in the second half that's where most of his production came from And it wasn't just the sacks. He forced a false start on Andrew Thomas. He also had another QB hit late in the game on a third down that forced an incompletion and a punt. And he also sacked Colt McCoy twice because what fun is it sacking one quarterback? So (laughs) he was everywhere. He's living in the backfield. And you are going to get a chance to see him close up next week. Yes,
1: I am. Yeah, Matt Pryor has been named the starter at right tackle for the Eagles. They play Hassan Reddick and the Cardinals next week. And and look, brother, Hassan, so Reddick worked both against left tackle and right tackle. If if I'm the Cardinals and I see that Matt Pryor is starting and Matt Pryor, by the way, for those that don't know, and I, I fully understand if you don't know who Matt Pryor is, Matt Pryor is a big bodied guard. But because of injuries at the right tackle position, Lane Johnson is out for the year for the Eagles. Jack Driscoll just sprained his MCL, so he's out. So they have to move Matt Pryor from his normal position being guard and put him at right tackle. Matt Pryor does not know how to go backwards. Matt Pryor is used to going forwards as a guard. That's where he's, like, livable. That's where you can live with him, kind of, and it's still kind of a mess. You put him at right tackle where he he cannot kick out and match the speed of Hassan Reddick. It's going to be a total mess. They're going to have to chip him all day. And the problem with that is Dallas Goddard is their best, like most reliable passing weapon. You're going to have to chip with with Goddard or leave a running back to that side, be it Miles Sanders, who is another weapon for them in the passing game. So you're delaying these guys or keeping them in to hide a deficiency. And the offensive line overall has been really good for the Eagles this year. And, you know, you talked about Reddick's speed, but like I was also impressed with what else he was doing. He had a cross chop uh, at the end of the game he he won with with power his hand usage was really nice like i was super impressed it's a contract year for the guy so like good for him go get your money dude like this was the hassan redick that 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 i saw coming out in the draft this was like the guy that i put like my top 15 that i had been wrong about oh. apparently for so long but now turns out with enough time <laughs> All takes are proven correct. So again, nobody cares about your big board, but just throwing that out there. I mean, I thought Arizona used him really poorly, and I think this is this is his role. This is pinning his ears back, using that that incredible speed, that incredible bend, and he showed some again, he showed some power too. This this is his role. He's found his niche, and I I would honestly predict another dominating performance from Reddick against the Eagles in the upcoming week. So I don't think this just proves to be like a fluky type of thing. Now we can talk about level of competition. Andrew Thomas was playing better after a catastrophic start to the season. Matt Parrott hasn't been all that bad. So he, he was doing some work on some guys that were playing okay for some stretches. And now he gets to go up against Matt Pryor. Anyway, I've gone on long enough with the gloom and doom for the Eagles right tackle situation next week. Kyle, let's get to your second level. Let's talk about some more NFC East. Who you got? So real quick there. Our our friend, Justice Mosqueda, always
2: says, never wrong, just early. And that's what your take <laughs> on Hassan Reddick was. <laughs> so at linebacker, and what we've done this all season where we're not focusing on players that have played well all season. If you play poorly and you have a good game, we're still going to highlight you. And that was a case this week where it's not news to say Jalen Smith has not played well this, uh, just this season at all. During the off season, Cowboys fans argued that Smith was one of the best linebackers in the NFL. And based on this year, Smith has been anything but. But as I mentioned, we should acknowledge good play when we see it. And that was the case against the Bengals. Smith had 13 tackles. Five of those resulted in stops. He also allowed 19 yards on four targets, and he also had a pass breakup in the end zone. Smith's biggest issues this season is just when you see him hesitating. You see him not triggering. On Sunday, he played like a guy whose you know hair was on fire, man-possessed, playing fast, all those buzzwords. And I'm sure fans were wondering, you know, where has this been all season? I mentioned his pass breakup towards the end of the half. He just jumped in front of the, the throwing lane, read the quarterback's eyes and made a play. After that play, that's when he started to produce. So I'm not sure if he needs to make a play to kind of get the ball rolling, but that's what it felt like. And he was just making plays near the line of scrimmage where he he's strung out a sweep, made a stop at the line of scrimmage. It was just nice to see him play fast and play smart. He's capable of that. We just don't see it nearly enough.
1: Yeah, and you look at his contract. They really need this from him because they have a lot of contracts that are really hard for them to get out of. The Cowboys, that is, just overall, both offensively and defensively. For instance, if they were to like cut him in the middle of this year when they were cutting all those starters, it would have cost them 24 mil in dead cap. (laughs) Next year, it's 9.4 mil to cut him, so they don't have an out until 2022. He's about $10 million against the cap next year, so they need a, a bigger performance from him. And their linebacking situation with the, the injuries to Leighton Van Der Esch and him not living up to his rookie season have been real bad for the Cowboys and are contributing to their struggles on defense. So that's a good performance from Smith. And uh, I'll hopefully, I mean, I, I will never not root for Jalen Smith. Like I'm, I'm a low key kind of Notre Dame fan because that's what I kind of grew up watching. because they were always on national television and whatnot. And seeing him go down in that bowl game against Ohio State was just heartbreaking. And to see him just be where he is and have some success too, to the point where he earned this contract, he played well for a stretch. Now this drop off is con- is concerning, but at the same time, I am—I don't care if I cover the Eagles, I don't care if I root for the Eagles, I don't care if he's a Cowboy. Like that's a story that you root for. So hopefully he continues that uh that that stretch of play that he just started there. Let's go to the third level. This is a real football football guy or football guy, guy. However, we say it on here. Uh, a guy that I, a former Eagle, by the way, who I would love to have here, and a part of part of one of the best safety duos in the league. Who do you like from the defensive backs from Week 14, Kyle?
2: It feels like forever since he's played for the Eagles. That's I honestly <laughs> forgot that that was a thing. So Jordan Poyer is quote unquote a football guy, as you mentioned. He does everything he's asked, and he does it at a high level, and he's done it all season. And Sunday night was another example of that where Poirier was just finding ways to impact the game in multiple ways. He finished with eight tackles. Uh, two of them were stops. He also had a pressure when he rushed the passer. He got his hands on a pass, and he only allowed four yards on three targets in coverage. He also forced a fumble. Like That just sounds like a jordan Poirier game. And what I appreciate about him is just the way he comes screaming downhill to run the alley. He gets to jump on just few plays that safety safeties just really don't make. And you can see it against Pittsburgh on some of their short passes and their screen plays. On the play where Poirier did blitz, he pushed the running back into Big Ben and forced an incompletion. That was just another example of him just running the alley, just playing fast. And it was second and seven. He was playing cat and mouse. Alignment was out there. He made a miss and he made the tackle for a stop of one. Like those are the type of plays that Poyer makes, and he does it all season. It's just really impressive. Uh, Pittsburgh was forced enough to recover the fumble that he did force, but since the ball couldn't lie if you paid it to, the Bills <laughs> got a pick six on the very next drive. And I think if you're going to challenge the Chiefs. You need a versatile secondary, and that's what we see from the Bills. That's what we see from a Poyer who is, quote-unquote, the glue guy, which I don't know if there's a better football guy term than that.
1: <laughs> that is that is tremendous, and yeah, I'm a, I'm just a, I'm a big fan uh, of Poyer's work there in Buffalo. Again, I think it's one of the best safety tandems. Him and Micah Hyde together, one of the best safety tandems in the league, well-coached-up defense. They're a defense that is starting to figure things out and making the Bills, along with their offense, look really really dangerous as we inch towards the postseason reaching the final few weeks of the season there's, there's another football guy guy that i wanted to talk about here and maybe we could talk about a couple of them before we get out of here but i nominate as a football guy guy nate davis right guard for the tennessee titans titans are having a lot of success in the ground game this year and there is a reason why but well, number one henry is an absolute man child number two I think the offense is performing really well in the trenches. Nate Davis is a big reason for that, the third-year guy. So he spent at, at at Charlotte in college. He spent th- I think 3 years at guard and then he had to kick out for tackle for for some reason. And like people watched him play tackle and were like what the heck is this because he was just a mess. Like I get like back prior trying to play like like right tackle, only a little bit more athletic, a little more a little more flexible, but inside like when he he was in the running game and he got to move forward dude was an absolute beast in college and got after it and when they played higher competition he got after it as well and this dude has the lowest stance in the world and apparently when he got to Tennessee they actually lifted his stance a, a bit because when he was at Charlotte He was at the point where his hand towel on his butt was hitting the ground. That's how (laughs) low he was. And that's like – that actually shows like some crazy flexibility for a guy, a big guy like that to be able to be in that stance and then fire out. So they lifted his butt a little bit like he – and he's on his toes and like he just looks like he is ready for war and he is always, always, always the low man in these situations, and leverage wins in the NFL, and he has fantastic leverage, so I'm a big fan of him, man. He is a people mover with a nasty attitude. He wants to finish you. He is a football guy guy through and through. Kyle, you got any more football guy guys for me? I don't think you're going to top anything (laughs) when you're talking about a lineman
2: and his towel touching the ground. That is as good as it gets. No, I mean, we talk about Van Noy, obviously. I mean, we can talk about any current or former Patriot because they're <laughs> asked to do 17 different things so
1: I, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you one more I'm gonna give you a take actually I think we have we've talked about the New York Jets before nothing being good with them outside of maybe like Quinn and Williams on the defense I, I actually want to kind of modify that statement a bit I think their safety Marcus May is having a better season than his former counterpart Jamal Adams is in Seattle, I think Marcus May is super slapped on. So, if you want a guy to go watch some film on Watch May, I think he's having, I don't know, maybe a top five, top six this year for for safeties this year. You look at the, the the best safeties for me like around the league this year. Jesse Bates uh, in Cincinnati, and then Justin Simmons in Denver, I think are are your number one. However, you want to order them: number one, number two. Uh, Marcus May for me is right there in the discussion. I think Buddha Baker from from the uh, the Cardinals is putting together. A fantastic year. Jimmy Ward, we've talked about on the show. He's a football guy, guy. I, I like the year that he's having, uh, depending on what you call Mink and Fitzpatrick, obviously up there as well. But yeah, big, big year for Marcus May, uh, one of the few bright spots on the New York Jets. Kyle, anything else for the gentle listeners before we get out of here today?
2: No, I love Marcus May, and I'm glad you said that. He's undoubtedly been one of the top safeties in the NFL this year. Just some quick stats here. He's allowed 3.8 yards per target when he's been in coverage. His average depth of tackle is 3.6 yards. (laughs) He's making plays near the line of scrimmage, and he's not allowing anything in coverage. He's a a star, but he plays for the Jets, so we have no idea, and he's being robbed of that. Get him out of there. Set him free.
1: (laughs) Set him free like you did Jamal. Let him go ball somewhere else, man. All right, so that's going to do it for the Palpably Unfair Podcast. One more reminder, subscribe if you love what we're doing here. Rate. We love five-star reviews. We really do, and it really helps support the feed. You know, helps discovery all that good stuff tell all your friends about it steal your girlfriend's phone leave a written review on her phone for us tell, tell them that you love the palpably unfair podcast whatever you got to do but we thank you for joining us here on the palpably unfair podcast tomorrow we start transitioning into the next week we got the look ahead coming up with rob stats carrera and rj ochoa make sure you listen to that and as always go dominate and have yourselves a day